plenty of that time par excellence for us to get back in touch with our baptism, the meaning of it, the grace of it, I confess the intimacy God, with which we were brought into relationship with God. And how can we let that grow and be strengthened? A warm welcome from all of us at Holy Rosary Parish in Burlington. Join us in prayer as we share the Lenten readings and homily for today's Holy Mass. A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord God formed man from dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a, a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to grow, to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the Lord God commanded the men, you may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Then the Lord God said, It is no good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than, the, than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did, the, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of these trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman say, saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were, they, they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. <laughs>
from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, just as sin came into the world through one man and death came through sin, so death spread to all people because all have sinned. Sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin is not reckoned when there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even, to, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift and the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If, because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all people, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all people. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Jesus Christ. 
Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning him, concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. We don't often talk about temptation. It's not something that comes up a lot. But in today's gospel, we hear that it's the first thing that happens to Jesus after his baptism and before he enters into ministry. Jesus in the desert is faced with three basic temptations, which happen to be what we read about in the first reading, the exact same, those three temptations that we still face today. The first temptation to turn stones into bread refers to our basic needs. Jesus replies that our most basic need is to do the will of God, to live by his word. Jesus is telling us that life is not only about physical satisfaction and sensual pleasure. Sensual pleasure is not to be at the top of our list of priorities. It should not drive us in life. If it does, it can lead to various addictions to food, drink, sex, and materialism. The second temptation is the lure for power. Jesus counters, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Power used properly for the glory of God and for the common good is fine. But when worldly power is worshiped, then we really have a problem. God's plan for us is fundamental, and accomplishing his plan might not include much power. Not much worldly power, that is. When we look at Maximilian Kolbe, when we look at Saint Therese de Lisieux, Saint Mother Teresa, we see that God often chooses the less powerful to fulfill, to do his will. So, if you don't have much worldly power, you're in good company. 
The final temptation, Satan challenges Jesus to throw himself down to test God. But not just from anywhere. Satan brings Jesus to the top of the temple. In Jewish tradition, God was in the temple. This signified being over God. Jesus responds with the scripture, do not, do not put your God, God to the test. We should not put ourselves ahead of God. The world doesn't revolve around us. God is at the center of our lives, not our egos. And as we see in the second reading, because of Jesus' obedience, we are now in right relationship with God. Because Jesus resisted temptation and by his passion is death and resurrection, he's defeated death and Satan. We have absolutely nothing to fear. Through Jesus' holy name, strengthened and equipped by his word, we can resist all temptation. The three pillars of Lent, prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, I believe are essential to equip us to resist temptation and to remain within God's grace. Our prayer should include reading the Word of God, getting it into us, so that if and when temptation happens, and it will, the Word of God can automatically come up and help us. Fasting, so that we can free ourselves from all the unimportant things that create diversions, so that we can be focused on God's will. And His will will be our first thought, not an afterthought. Third, almsgiving, which is often referred to as charity, to be giving generously. I think alms don't necessarily always have to be material. They could be spiritual. There is charity when we give hope, when we encourage. It is char charitable to use the right words to help others resist temptation. Our words are very, very powerful. They can tempt people to become discouraged and make them feel insecure, but the right words can help somebody resist the temptation to worry, to feel dejected, or to feel excluded. In uh, my previous life, when I was in sales many years ago, I used to travel a lot. I used to travel 100 to 150 days a year. And <clears throat> there was one Friday, I was coming back from a long business trip, it was in the middle of winter, and we were in Montreal, coming back to Toronto. And the flight is delayed. And I'm thinking, this is not good. I'm going to be stuck here. But the gate opens, we get into the airplane, and I'm just saying, please, God, get us out of here, right? But the plane is waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, the last passenger comes on, and everybody on the plane is looking at him because now we're angry because, hey, this is the guy that delayed us. What if we don't get to take off, right? And he's having a hard time finding his seat. He can't figure out where he's sitting. He can't put the luggage into the upper compartment. And you know this guy doesn't know how to travel. 
And that's quite aggravating for the frequent flyers, <laughs> you know. But doesn't this guy's seat, isn't his seat right next to me? He comes and sits right next to me. And I'm there, oh, this is not going to be good. He couldn't get his seatbelt on properly. I had to help him out with a seatbelt. We start taxiing to get, um, to go de-ice the plane. And he's freaking out, asking, what's happening? Why are we stopping? What are they putting on the wings? I have to explain everything. And I'm just getting more and more aggravated with the situation. I just close my eyes and I pray to God. I say, Lord, help me. What am I going to do? <laughs> and then it comes to me. I'll ask him. So I turn to him and I say, what's wrong? And he looks at me and he says, I hate flying. I can't take it. I'm not going to be able to make it. And all of a sudden, to my surprise, I look at him and I say, fear not and trust in the Lord. You should have seen his eyes. They were this big. <laughs> fear not and trust in the Lord. And all of a sudden, it was quiet. We taxied, we flew, we went up, the lady came by, gave us the drinks, we chatted, we laughed, and at the end of it, he said thank you. The word of God just came up to meet that particular need for that person. Because he was tempted. He was tempted to fear, to anxiety, and into worry. And that word also came up for me, because I was tempted to anger, to impatience. This Lent, let's take the time to think about what tempts us and how we might be able to resist these temptations. But also, why not look at ourselves objectively to see if we might not be tempting others by our words and our actions? Do our words tempt others to gossip? Do our actions call or tempt people to feel like they're being left out? The way that we drive, the way that we walk, does it bring people to anger? Do we cut in line? Or do we let people go ahead of us? Does our body language make people comfortable? Is it welcoming? Or does it make people feel defensive? Do we use words to bring unity, hope, and peace? Are we encouraging? Do we say thank you enough? Do we tell people that we appreciate them enough? This Lent, let's make it a habit to be charitable with our words and with our actions. Let's get the Word of God in us and pray for the guidance on how to use it better to resist temptation and help others resist temptation too. So that as we turn to God, we can help others turn to God too. We come here today 
to be strengthened by the Word of God and nourished by the Eucharist so that we can have the courage to use the Word. May this Lent be a time of formation so that we may be better equipped to resist temptation so that our words and our actions may be pleasing to Him. We hope that our podcasts have been inspiring. And now, our pastor, Father Martin, offers a few closing words. Many of you are very familiar with the program in Canada that is known as CHALICE, Child Support Program, which has now been extended, by the way, to include elderly persons and other needy persons in foreign countries. And we have had the CHALICE Program presented to us on and off over the years. Deacon Neil Devereaux, a deacon of the Diocese of London, is going to be joining us once again next weekend at All Masses. He was last here, I think about two and a half years ago it was, and he will be coming in order to speak at All Masses concerning the Chalice Program, and also after the Masses are over, opportunities will be provided for people to engage with the materials and the offerings, and even to undertake sponsorship or increase their sponsorship of those who are in need through this program. So please bear in mind that that will be the program for next Sunday's Masses. And in the bulletin, there is a little leaflet explaining in more detail the activity of Chalice.